0: Advertising your business with GCN is simple, effective, and more affordable than you might think. Visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info. Take your business to the next level. USA News. I'm Ryan Daniels. Much of the nation gripped by an Arctic blast that's bringing sub-zero temperatures and wind chills across well over a dozen U.S. states, including Iowa, where much anticipated Republican presidential caucuses are happening today and could be significantly affected. Former President Trump way ahead in recent polling, followed by Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, USA's Laura Winters.
1: All of the Republican candidates busy campaigning despite the weather. This is an unbelievable amount of snow, um, but we are going to continue to try and touch as many people as we can. That is Nikki Haley campaigning in Iowa. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis also shaking lots of hands in the state with his wife by his side.
0: We have a lot of people that we have signed up to commit to for us over many months. Uh, I think they're motivated, they're passionate, and they're going to show up. What about the broader electorate? I just don't know, uh, but I'm confident our people are going to come out strong. The frigid weather already having a significant impact on air travel as well. According to the website FlightAware, there have been over 1,400 flight cancellations and over 300 flight delays within into or out of the U.S. so far today. The latest update from the CDC says seasonal flu and COVID activity continues to be elevated in most parts of the U.S. The CDC estimates there have been at least 14 million flu-related illnesses, 150,000 hospitalizations, and 9,400 deaths so far in the current flu season. A dispute pitting state versus federal government in Texas as state officers at the clogged border crossings in Eagle Pass are blocking federal Border Patrol agents from rendering life-saving or other medical aid to illegal border crossers. A recent tragedy near Eagle Pass involved immigrants drowning in the Rio Grande River and Texas agents preventing Border Patrol from helping them. This is USA News Before Republicans in Iowa gather for a frigid caucus day to select their favorite presidential candidate, they will not be gleaning anything about it from Iowa Republican Senator Joni Ernst. She says she is still not going to publicly endorse any of the candidates.
3: I've made up my decision on who I will caucus for. It is a private ballot. Ernst speaking
0: on NBC's Meet the Press Sunday. At the same time, fellow Republican and former Maryland Governor Larry Hogan told CNN's State of the Union Sunday, more recent polling makes Nikki Haley
4: his favorite for the GOP. She's 17 points ahead of Joe Biden, and uh, it's a toss-up with Trump and Biden, and DeSantis is losing.
0: At the same time, Florida Senator and former GOP White House hopeful Marco Rubio says he's throwing his endorsement behind Trump. Trump continues to hold a wide lead in all Republican primary voter polls. Authorities in Idaho have located and recovered the body of a man who was caught in an avalanche while backcountry skiing with two others. It happened near Stevens Peak, close to the Montana border. The two surviving men found after authorities received a GPS alert of a potential fatality in the avalanche. An FBI testimony says investigators entering a Colorado funeral home, where nearly 200 abandoned bodies were discovered, encountered disturbing. Conditions. Prosecutors also revealed text message exchanged between the funeral home's owners, indicating financial pressures and concerns about being caught mishandling the bodies. I'm Ryan Daniels, USA News.
3: President Biden recently released a massive $6 trillion budget, the largest budget in U.S. history. And guess who pays the bill? Free phone call will show you how we can reduce your past tax bill and save you thousands. Guaranteed, or you pay nothing. Call now.
5: 800 932 1597. 800 932 1597. That's 800 932 1597. Paid for by the Tax Helpline.
4: Are you ready? Yeah. Let's do it. Bill Martinez Live, a program about current events, our culture, our values, our politics, and our future. And now, Bill Martinez. We
6: Well, happy Monday to you. Six minutes after the top of the hour. It is Martin Luther King's birthday today. It's also Martin Luther King Day uh, as mandated uh, as a result of a law that was... Uh, you know, past years ago. And we've got uh, Bill Federer with us from the American Minute uh, to break it all down, uh, remind us of all this great rich history that we continue to enjoy in this great country of ours, uh, regardless of how the Marxists and the communists would like to uh, stifle it out. Um, we're still going to continue in spite of this, uh, you know, of this pushback. Uh, we will continue to resist and hold on to the the valuable and rich history of this great country of ours. Hey, Bill Federer, how you doing, buddy? Good to be talking to you.
7: Hey, Bill, great to be with you.
6: Well, a good day today. Uh, it kind of everything's aligning perfectly. It happens to be Martin Luther King's birthday; his official birthday day, and of course, um, it's Martin Luther King Day as well.
7: Yeah. So it was Ronald Reagan, a Republican, who signed the bill to make the third Monday in January. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Day in the 1983. And um, so people forget Lincoln, Republican, freed the slaves. Uh, it was Ulysses S. Grant, a Republican, that sent the federal troops into the Democrat South to stop them from pushing through their Jim Crow laws and Black Codes and the KKK. And so in 1871, the Department of Justice, started by Ulysses S. Grant, uh, and Congress passed the Anti-KKK Law. It's called the Ku Klux Klan Act, mm-hmm. and it was specifically designed to stop the Democrats in the South from lynchings. Um, it's interesting. Tuskegee Institute did a uh, research, and they found out there were over four hundred and or four thousand four hundred documented lynchings. Um, wow. There were a lot more than that, but those were documented. Uh, 1200 of those were white re- Republicans down in the South registering the freed blacks to vote. Uh, the Democrats called the Republicans radicals or mm-hmm. extremists sort of sounds familiar.
6: Gosh, and, Bill, I think, I think you're one of the few that ever reported on white lynchings. And no, seriously, had- seriously, because we don't, we've never heard about white lynchings before during this era, but, um, you know, it, it, definitely, it definitely makes sense. And it, uh, It helps bring back into focus uh, who and what the real problem was here. But go ahead, I'm sorry.
7: Yeah, uh, there's over 13,000 pages of firsthand testimony before Congress when they had hearings on the, when they were passing the Ku Klux Klan Act. Mm -hmm. And the Democrats, the vigilante groups, would go into people's houses and drag them out and beat them, but then they would find these white Republicans down there registering the free blacks to vote, and they would lynch him. And um, and then you had um, uh, Woodrow Wilson was a Democrat, and he segregated the federal offices, segregated the military, and even showed a KKK film in the White House. And then you had Teddy Roosevelt, and he was the Republican. He invited the first black man to have dinner in the White House as a as an honored guest. It was Booker T. Washington. And um, Booker T. Washington said he grew up on a slave plantation in the South, and he remembers his mom praying for Lincoln and praying that his army be successful. And mm-hmm. uh, and then when uh, he said, some man came into our plantation and pulled out a piece of paper and read it, and I didn't know what it said, but everyone started crying. And he said, my mom said, this was what we were praying for for all these years. Wow. Well, then um, you had Bill,
6: Bill, what uh, what was that? Hang on just a second. What was that like? I mean, you know, here Booker Booker T. Washington is the first black man to, uh, you know, have dinner at the White House with Teddy Roosevelt. What 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 kind of uh, hysteria did that create?
7: Uh, The Southern Democrats hated it. The um, Memphis Scimitar magazine uh, said uh, that. Roosevelt ought to resign. It says, one thing, having dinner with a porter in a railroad car. But he said, in the White House, she used to file the White House. And so the, the Democrats uh, began to push back. And mm-hmm. uh, they had, um, uh, when Reconstruction ended, and that's when they pulled the, the federal troops out of the South, um, the blacks that had gotten elected all get kicked out. And yes. then they, um, uh, and, but it was uh, Woodrow Wilson after segregating it, the military, you had uh, Eisenhower. And he integrated the military. And he had them all, you know, w- 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 know, dorming together and fighting together and winning World War II together. And so uh, Eisenhower has landslide voting from blacks uh, when he gets elected and um and he's republican and so uh and then you have democrat uh governor george wallace and he stands in front of the school and right. he says segregation now segregation forever and um you had the uh republicans uh resisting that um it's interesting uh martin luther king jr was a republican um he uh in his i have a dream speech he actually says um that uh, he he condemns george wallace mm. and he says even in the, the 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 state of alabama with its governor's lips dripping with racism even there uh, i have a dream that someday uh, the sons of slave owners will be friends with the sons of slaves and and mm. will walk hand in hand and Um, but one of the things that I think people overlook is that Martin Luther King Jr. was a reverend, he was a Baptist minister, just Mm -hmm. like his dad was a Baptist minister of the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, and his brother, Reverend A.D. King, was a Baptist minister. Uh, King attended Booker T. Washington High School, Mm -hmm. and Booker T. Washington, um, was a slave, and he, um... Uh, after the Civil War, uh, he and his mom uh, and his mom had a—he never met his dad, but then his mom had a, another husband, and he had left to go to West Virginia. So he and his mom go to West Virginia, meet up with his stepdad, and um, then uh, they work—he has to work three jobs. The dad says that he couldn't afford for him to, to go to school that was, you know— And so Booker T worked a job in the morning, went to school, worked a job in the afternoon, worked a job in the evening, um, and uh, but then he goes to this Hampton Institute in Virginia, uh, graduates, and then they're starting you you have Republican generals, these are generals in the Union Army who are Republican, and they start. Mm Freeman's colleges for the freed slaves, the freemen, the freed slaves, and one of them, uh, Samuel Arm- uh, Chapman Armstrong, he starts Hampton Institute. His dad was a missionary in Hawaii, and he grew up in Hawaii. Anyway, after Booker T. graduates, they're wanting to start a Freeman's College, uh, a historical black college in Alabama, and they're you know wanting to get a white guy to do it, and and Samuel Chapman Armstrong says, "What about Booker T.?" And so he becomes the first black man that's the president of the university, and he builds Tuskegee, and he uh, goes and meets with Andrew Carnegie who gives money, and he meets with Henry uh, uh, John D Rockefeller who gives money, and he wow. meets with President McKinley. He talks President mm-hmm. McKinley into coming down there.
6: And hey, Bill, we're run- we're says, running out of time on this segment, so we'll pick it up on the other side as he continues to recount some incredible history here. Uh, More from Bill Fetter right after this.
2: Cancer
0: categorizes over 100 diseases. Though we do not diagnose, treat, or cure cancer, GCN team is offering the Clemson University study where there was up to a 95% reduction in cancerous cells when exposed to a plant-derived mineral supplement. If you or a loved one are searching for answers to this horrifying disease, come to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. We'll email you a copy for free. That's 877-878-4203.
4: It's obvious the unthinkable continues. Most Americans know something very wrong is happening. People in charge keep telling you that everything's fine and to stop noticing. But you know better. That's why self-reliant folks are investing in emergency food storage you should, too. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, are the ones you can trust. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners averaging over 2,000 calories per day.
6: American Minute creator, as we remember some rich history here and putting things in proper perspective, you know, this is the thing that amazes me, Bill Federer, is that uh, as you remind us of this history of ours, you know, I think if you were to take a, a poll of black Americans and ask them if um, Martin Luther King was a Republican or Democrat, I bet you a majority would tell you that he's a Democrat, didn't even realize that he was a Republican. And they probably didn't even realize that, uh, you know, the difference with Martin Luther King and Black Lives Matter, and uh, Martin Luther King had to come under the scene at the time that he did. I think that if Martin Luther King was around today, he'd have been, um, you know, he'd been marginalized and and like everything else, canceled uh, because he he was interested into the higher calling, you know, as given by God to mankind. He wasn't looking at a um, a deconstructing agent. He was more a, a reform agent. And, of course, uh, you know, his principles were, you know, were scripturally based, and uh, it's amazing how his truth is reiterated and uh, continued to pass on by people that don't even really understand the basis and the heart of Martin Luther King Jr., do they?
7: No, um, and and by the way, um, Democrat governor of Alabama was George Wallace, and in 1963, he blocked the entrance to the university of alabama to black students and he said segregation now segregation tomorrow segregation forever he was a democrat and so in august of 1963 reverend martin luther king gives his i have a dream speech and he says i have a dream that one day down in alabama with its vicious racist and its governor having his lips dripping with words of interposition and nullification." One day, right there in Georgia, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. So in his very famous I Have a Dream speech, he's condemning, condemning a Democrat governor, George Wallace. Um, right. So the, the longest-serving Democrat senator was Robert Byrd, and he was a KKK member. And, um, uh, he, and then the saying is, you had to be in the Klan to advance in the Democrat Party. Mm-hmm. And so Hillary Clinton uh, said that Robert Byrd was her mentor right. and um, so forth. Uh, Al-, Al Gore Sr. was a Democrat senator, and he filibustered for 71 days a civil rights bill that the Republicans were putting forward. And um, you had the Democrat Senator Richard Russell said, We resist to the bitter end any measure and any movement which would have the tendency to bring about social equality and intermingling an amalgamation of the races in our state. Uh, Democrat Senator uh, Thurman said the so-called civil rights proposal um, is re- remin- reminiscent of Reconstruction and the actions of the radical Republican Congress. And um, so, so Robert Byrd filibustered the civil rights bill for 14 hours and 13 minutes. And then um, Lyndon Johnson Uh, realized that with the invention of television and the Democrat uh, Commissioner uh, Bull Connor in Mm -hmm. um, uh, Birmingham and the hosing of black people down on the streets and sticking dogs on them, that that didn't make the Democrat Party look good. And so he uh, did a big switch from intimidation to entitlement. That's called the big switch. Instead of Mm -hmm. intimidating the uh, minorities, um, like they had since the Civil War, he invented the welfare state, and it's called the Great Society welfare state. And Lyndon Johnson introduced this idea that you get as many of them as possible to sign up for welfare, and you'll get their vote. Right, um, and um, so that's the big switch, and started this welfare program. And uh, they almost uh, liked it when the uh, the, the black families uh, they they had a. a a lower divorce rate than whites. I mean, even through all of the struggles they went through, their families were strong. Mm -hmm. Um, But after the welfare state comes along, uh, they get more money if the the father's not around, and then it causes this generational dependency and then uh, voting uh, for the party that gives the free money. But
6: back to more. Remind everybody, though, Bill, of the percentage of what we're talking about here, and because today that is the mantra (laughs) that all leaders are realizing that fatherlessness is is the, you know, it's just been a crippler of of the next generation, following generations, and, and blacks, particularly minorities, uh, have been pulverized by this idea that basically it found a new way to put them on a, um, in a sense, kind of a modern form of plantation brought to you by the Democrats and Lyndon Baines Johnson, because it wasn't really designed to help the people it was about securing uh votes and securing power for the democratic party
7: right and so um lyndon johnson and teddy kennedy pushed through the uh immigration reform so prior to 1965 most immigrants came from europe and they had a social stigma of receiving a handout it was considered a moral failure to mm-hmm. let all your neighbors know that you were dependent on the government, and so, um, but they found out that immigrants from real poor third world countries did not have that stigma. They'd come across, they'd sign up, they'd get the handouts, and then they had this tendency of voting for the people that gives them the free money. I mean, think of mm-hmm. it: if you were getting a thousand dollars in the mail every week from someone you did not know. Week after week, month after month, year, and you know, $1,000, $1,000. Would you wake up one day and ask yourself, who is it that's sending me this $1,000 every week? I'm going to find out who they are and vote them out of office. Mm -hmm. Would anybody do that? I mean, I'd be Uh, like, oh, I got to, my kids got a couple more bills to pay. It's like, Mm -hmm. once you get people to receive free money from you, you can pretty well count on their vote. Exactly. um, So, so, um, uh, Anyway, but back to Martin Luther King Jr., he was a minister and he went to Morehouse College. Now, who was Morehouse? Reverend William Jefferson Morehouse was a Baptist minister. He had Harmony Baptist Church. And, um, and then, uh, so then Martin Luther King Jr. goes to a seminary, Kreuzer Theological Seminary in Pennsylvania. And while he's there, he attends Calvary Baptist Church. And then he comes back, and he's the pastor of Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery. And then in 1960, he becomes co-pastor with his dad of the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. And um, so so the people on the left want to ignore the fact, fact that he was a Baptist pastor. I was in Atlanta. Go through the airport. A busiest mm-hmm. one of the busiest airports in the world. They have a display up with Martin Luther King, Jr., they have all the pictures, everything. nothing about him being a Baptist minister. It's like they sort of want to hide that. Um, and he supported Israel. Uh, Reverend King said, I see Israel as one of the great outposts of democracy in the world. Marvelous example of what can be done, how the desert can be transformed into an oasis, a brotherhood of democracy. Peace for Israel means security, and that security must be a reality. Uh, King said, I solemnly pledge to do my utmost to uphold the fair name of the Jews. He wins the Nobel Peace Prize, and he said, profound. In his address, in his recognition, his uh, award acceptance speech, 1964, he says, Profound re- recognition that nonviolence is the answer to the crucial political and moral question of our time, the need for man to overcome oppression and violence without resorting to oppression and violence. And so he would not have been in favor of Black Lives Matter, smashing windows of innocent store owners, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he... Um, uh, we
6: got about a minute. We got about a minute and a half left here, Bill. So I'll let you wrap this and summarize it up. Go ahead.
7: Yeah, uh, but we uh, we do remember him for uh, vo- vocalizing that all men should be judged by the content of their character and not by the color of their skin. This is different than DEI, diversity, yes. equity, inclusion, which says you 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 uh, judge people by the color of their skin and you um which is anti-biblical uh jesus the the gospel uh is that everybody uh once they're in christ we're all one you don't Mm -hmm. keep judging people um are they greeks or whatever and um and then in in ezekiel it says uh the soul that sinneth it shall die you don't make a child pay for the father's sins Mm -hmm. and so but um so so we remember martin luther king jr a baptist pastor And it was uh, Ronald Reagan that um, decided that the third Monday in uh, January would be the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And Billy Graham uh, uh, was the one who uh, invited King to uh, speak at one of his crusades. Mm -hmm. And uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said um, that uh, had it not been for the ministry of my good friend, Dr. Billy Graham, My work in the civil rights movement would not have been as successful as it has been.
6: Unbelievable. we got to leave it there. He's the American Minute creator, Bill Federer. Thank you, Bill. Imagine it's
3: the final game of the season, but your symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome with constipation or IBSC are making a comeback. What should you do? keep managing your constipation with belly pain the same old way, or try getting ahead of your symptoms by talking to your doctor about Linzess, linaclotide. Linzess is a prescription medicine that treats IVSC in adults. It's not a laxative. It's a once-daily pill that helps you get ahead of your symptoms. It's proven to help you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually.
9: Do not give Linzess to children less than two. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling.
3: Imagine what could relief from IBSC mean for you. Talk to your doctor and say yes to Linzess. Learn more at Linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS.
0: USA News Update. One U.S. lawmaker is taking action and hopes others in Congress will agree on a call for the U.S. State Department to look into whether Israel's
9: attacks in Gaza violate the law. It says that if American military assistance is given to any country, it has got to be used consistently with international human rights standards and American law.
0: Senator Bernie Sanders announced on CNN's State of the Union Sunday his intention to seek a resolution in Congress. It's been 100 days since the war began in Gaza. The percentage of Americans who smoke has continually declined since the release of a landmark report on health and smoking from the U.S. Surgeon General back in 1964. The rate of smoking among U.S. adults dropped from around 42% in 1965 to an all-time low of 11 percent in 2021 i'm ryan daniels usa news
8: wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated so keep it simple and take good care of yourself with sunny bay heating pads our heating pads soothe pains in the neck back and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay.
6: Twenty-eight minutes before the top of the hour. This Saturday is going to be the March for Life. Um, uh, Just a a focus and um, a time that's coming together where it is, uh, which really, you know, kind of uh, ignites the sanctity of Human Life Month. And recent findings, by the way, from the Worldometer found that over 44, this number is just mind-blowing, 44.6 million abortions were performed in 2023 worldwide. 44.6 44.6 million abortions. Uh, the question I have, though, is uh, does it include the chemical abortions? Because that seems to be eliminated in uh, some of the counts that we talk about. You know, we uh, often refer to the number here in the United States of America since Roe v. Wade of uh, 60 million. That number seems to be a bit static. Uh, but uh, it uh, is clearly been uh, you know, proven that we're missing about 40 percent of the number in chemical abortions. But uh, so my question is, uh, but regardless, 44.6 million abortions performed in 2023 worldwide. Um, Ryan Bomberger is joining us. He's the Emmy award-winning creative professional who founded the Radiance Foundation. He shares his story and why life matters uh, so much to him. Ryan, welcome back. Good to be talking to you. How are you, buddy?
10: Hey, it's great to be with you. Happy New Year. Um, yes. Glad to be alive for so many reasons.
6: <laughs> yeah. Really, I mean, you know, considering the options that you were faced with and, uh, of course, uh, you landed your story is uh, quite renowned now and and heard, uh, which uh, is, you know, important to hear it again, Ryan, you know, how it all started for you.
10: Absolutely. I had a courageous birth mother who tragically went through horrific experience. She experienced the, the violence of rape. And I am so eternally grateful that even though she was a victim of that violence, she did not make me a victim of the violence of abortion. Mm -hmm. And so not only did she give me life, she gave me the incredible gift of adoption. So I grew up in a a tiny family of 15. We have six brothers.
6: (laughs) Just a a tiny family. Just a small,
10: your typical American family. And, you know, grew up loved. I was adopted and loved. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the 13 kids in our family, 10 of us were adopted. I was the first one and so mm. obviously it went well, and every year, new flavor, new color added to the family. Yeah, exactly. So that's my experience. So, you know, having been you know, spared from the violence of abortion, having been loved by my parents, and now married to my best friend, uh, the love of my life, Bethany Bomberger, we have four kiddos, and two mm. of my kids were also adopted. So, wow. adoption saved my life and many of my siblings' lives, and it continues on as a legacy mm. in my family.
6: Yeah, how cool is that? I mean, and look at here—you were the first to be adopted. See, if you'd have messed the program up, what would you have done? I mean, you know, what would have happened to all the other kids behind you, right?
10: <laughs> we would have eaten more. We wouldn't have had to eat so fast for seconds. I'm joking, but I—I was—I was a handful. I will say that. So, for any parents mm. out there who has a, a strong-willed child, just hold on for like twenty-five, twenty-five or thirty years, and yeah. uh, that strong-willed stuff will turn into something good
6: yeah it really it it draws you near to God it really does you know yes, it does. so that's that's just, that's the know. benefit of it all you know that uh, you will you will be drawn near to god I, I loved it before when you told your story and and I've been trying to remember this when I try to relate your story how you talked about the kids that were born naturally in the family and those were adopted and you have a phrase and how you characterize that uh, in my Making sense here to you to help you remember exactly what you said to me?
10: Well, yes, my parents had three kiddos first, and I referred to them as the homemade ones. Yes, homemade, that's it. um, And the rest of us, I guess. I don't know. I I try to figure out different ways of describing it, but the rest of us were imported. And so (laughs) it it worked out well. And you look at our family, and people would always think, oh, there's a youth group walking by. No, it's just our family. We're white, black. (laughs) Mixed yeah. American, Vietnamese, able, disabled. It just it was a beautiful just it, it was just a beautiful collection of lives that God knew we uh, were going to be loved like crazy by Henry mm. and Andrea Bomberger. And so yeah. I'm so grateful to my mom and dad.
6: Well what a foundation, like you say, you know, for love there in that diverse family. I mean you talk about diversity. Wow. Yeah. Right?
10: <laughs> I know a little bit about it.
6: Yeah, you think? <laughs> But uh, I mean, it, and it, go ahead.
10: I was going to say, well, diversity gets such a, a twisted sort of meaning today, but I, I know what it means to grow up in diversity, but I also know the importance of unity, which is far more crucial than diversity. Mm-hmm. And it is that unity. And thankfully, the unity of my parents had with Christ is what really directed their steps. And mm-hmm. that's far more important than what our world sees, uh, which is often a very superficial diversity.
6: Ryan, what was that like for the kids? I mean, here you got, you know, you, you've got a family of 15, right? Three, as you say, homemade, the rest imported, and all these diverse ideas, and the parents. I mean, what, what an incredible heart and capacity of love and patience that uh, they must have had, and, uh, and, and probably even questioning their own sanity from time to time.
10: Yeah, I hope that. Um... <laughs> Definitely was not, I mean, they didn't set out to go on some sort of crusade. They simply just mm-hmm. wanted to love those that, that, you know, the world had discarded. My, yeah. The passion for adoption began in my mom, who grew up in a, in a home with an alcoholic father. And so for one year's time, while her parents were separating, she was placed in a children's home, an orphanage. And that's where a five-year-old got the heart for adoption. And she met the most amazing man I've ever known, my dad. Mm-hmm. And he shared the same heart. And so it w- wasn't easy. I mean, we all came from very different backgrounds. Talk about diversity—the diversity, the diversity mm-hmm. of experiences. Some from really horrific, violent backgrounds. But it was amazing to see how love transformed all of us. And just that household—everyone loved coming to our house, even the neighbors. So, mm-hmm. there were usually about twenty-five kids <laughs> on our property. Oh. We grew up on a farm. Wow! It was—it oh. was. People thought it would be total chaos, but it really mm-hmm. was. A blessed home with parents who had a lot of patience and a lot of faith in God that he would help transform some of our broken narratives mm-hmm. and he did I mean there was so much breakthrough uh, mm-hmm. I need to write a book about it actually I am writing a book about it so <laughs> one day
6: yeah Ryan I got to imagine that the uh, the boundaries within the family you know when you've got even you know neighbors kids coming over they had to know or, or mm-hmm. sense that there was a way of conduct that allowed you to stay on the farm, if not uh you know you, you just you know you, you're not you're not going to be comfortable there and, and that 's not to say that um, you know it was mean spirited it was just say hey this is what this is what works for the Baumberger family, and uh you could kind of sense when you came together uh you 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 got along, you enjoyed each other, you had fun, you got to be a kid. Uh, you know, uh, which isn't to say that it wasn't without conflict because we're humanoids and you probably had some, but they, they probably weren't, you know, the kind of thing where somebody pulled out a gun or something.
10: Uh, well, definitely not. Uh, we would yeah. pull out large weeds from our garden and start weed- yeah, right. whacking um, the sibling tours, <laughs> to our yeah. side. Yeah. There were a lot of fights, and it was kind of like not one-on-one fights. They were typically kind of like tag-team fights. Um, mm. Usually I was on the losing end of that. There would be more siblings against me than mm. were mm. on my side. But there was plenty of that, but there was also a lot of... I mean, there was there was a lot of unity, and that really is because of the faith of my, my parents. And our, mm. the neighbor kids, everyone loved coming to the Bomberger household because they would be they would be loved by, by, by my parents. There was a lot of fun. There was a lot of freedom. Um, and I just can't imagine growing up in other, mm. any other situation. But they also saw, hey, look, they knew, obviously knew we were adopted because mm. we didn't exactly look like our parents.
6: Yeah, exactly. And
10: something was special <laughs> there. And I love to say that there are a number of people in our community who were inspired to adopt because of the Bomberger family and to hear, you know, through Facebook and other social media platforms, oh, my word, your family inspired me. And then they should send me pictures of their mm-hmm. adoptive mm-hmm. family. And I love it. I love how God just works through our weaknesses yeah. to just bring breakthrough for all kinds of people.
6: We've got about 45 seconds left here in this segment, and then we're, we'll pick it up on the other side. Um, you know, some people, you know, hear the term loving, you know, loving your neighbor. And it just seemed to flow so naturally out of your mother and father. And, uh, you know, can you touch on that? Or maybe we need to touch on that on the other side, because sometimes I think we make love too complicated.
10: I think we do. I mean, love is really just giving up your life. And for my mom, who experienced such brokenness, it was was easy for her to love. It was easy for my dad to love, because he was a man who loved Jesus, uh, both of them. And that changes everything.
6: Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, We're talking with Ryan Bomberger. He's the Emmy Award winning creative professional who founded the Radiance Foundation. We'll continue on the other side of the break. Stay with us.
9: Home sales are down 31% across America and mortgage rates are on the rise. If your home is not selling, you need to call our experts right now at the quick cash hotline. We have investors ready to pay you cash for your property, regardless of the condition it's in. Most of our closings can happen in about seven days. You don't have to worry about a buyer getting approved. You don't have to worry about showing your home. One simple call right now. Just pick up the phone and call us. I'll give you the number in a second. We will negotiate with you a price to buy your home. It's that simple. If you're ready to sell your home right now any home any condition and you don't want to put money into it no problem we'll buy it from you call right now it's a free call
5: 800-217-6459 800-217-6459 800-217-6459 that's 800-217-6459
2: The final phase of extermination is set to commence now. And as population die-off becomes evident, you know it is the time of punishment in all that is written. The cover for mass die-off is evolution and global warming frauds, also used as false proof of their Christ. They are from the lines that were disinherited 2,000 years ago. Now they claim to be his Christ, based upon blood type, DNA, and long lifespan. Go to unveilingthem.com. That's U-N-V-E-I-L-I-N-G-them.com.
1: That's 1-800-785-9618.
6: Just about 14 minutes before the top of the hour, Bill Martinez here. We're talking with uh, Ryan Bomberger, the Emmy Award-winning creative professional who founded the Radiance Foundation, uh, sharing his story and why life matters so much for him, uh, sanctity of human life, uh, month, and also uh, we've got the the March for Life happening this Saturday, Ryan. Right?
10: Uh, it's this Friday in D.C. We're at oh, the
6: fr- okay. Why was I thinking Saturday? Forgive me. Yeah, uh, this Friday. Okay.
10: And so, yes, lots of lots of people. I don't know how many because of the Arctic blast that's been moving across the. Yeah,
6: oh yeah, exactly. You yeah, know,
10: pro-lifers are hardy people. We we don't mm. do things just because the weather's nice. Um, that's right. We endure a yeah. lot.
6: Yeah, exactly. Well, look, at it. if they can get out and vote in Iowa, where the temperatures are, you know, talk about uh, very cold and everything else, and you say the Arctic blast, uh, we can get people to come up and uh, stand for, you know, stand for life here, especially with that big number. I mean, that, this blows me away. Worldwide, Ryan, 44.6 million abortions in 2023 worldwide. Oftentimes we talk about, you know, what, what's happening here in America but uh, again, America is such an example. And it is, uh, you know, as John Winthrop uh, had prayed that we would be a shining light, but a shining light for good, not for evil.
10: Right. And when you look at those numbers, 44.6 million, it's hard to even grasp. But yet, when you look at these causes of death, w- which causes of death are, are celebrated? Here in the United States, the left celebrates. There's only one cause of death that's celebrated and elevated, and that's abortion. I mean, it's the most lethal killer, but. Pro-abortion legislators and activists, as we have seen throughout uh, since you know the Dobbs decision, they can't seem to get enough of abortion, and that's evidenced by their radical efforts to they, they codify limitless taxpayer-funded abortion mm-hmm. and their relentless protection of Planned Parenthood and a multi-billion-dollar industry. So here in the United States, I mean, you've got heart disease, cancer. You know, in the last report a year, there are about seven hundred thousand deaths from heart disease, about 602,000 deaths from cancer, uh, COVID in 2020, this is the last year that we have both abortion stats and CDC death data, COVID deaths, 350,000, doesn't even touch the 930,160 abortions in the United States. But somehow you've got an Biden administration that is going to the, the most ridiculous extremes to ensure that the violence of abortion is more accessible than ever. And so our our fight is, I mean, it's a state-by-state fight, which is sad. I I wish it were not a state-by-state fight. I mean, the Supreme Court wiped out every state law preventing and prohibiting abortion. Dobbs' decision should have done the same. Life Mm -hmm. should not be a state-by-state issue. It is the first and most fundamental human right.
11: Well,
6: you know, Ryan, maybe some of this, you know, w- with the idea that we have 50, um, you know, 50 experimental experimental centers, you know, as it's been said, uh, with 50 different states, uh, you know, my prayer to God is that there would be such a, a designation, such a clear uh, definition of the states that uh, promote life versus those that promote death. I mean, we saw what happened in Ohio, I mean, multiple millions of dollars you know, captured that state to do something that uh, seemingly was out of character. You'd never think in a million years that they would approve such a drastic abortion bill. And this is in the face, and then this to me it just seems so incongruous because you have women saying, it's my body, my choice, okay, but why do you, if it is your body and your choice, why is it my money then?
10: <laughs> it's my body, my money, uh, or their body, our money.
7: Uh, yeah, well.
10: it's a great slogan, but it's meaningless. It's meaningless scientifically, of course, because it's not your body. You're not aborting mm. yourself. You're aborting right. another human being. Um I think the bigger, not the bigger issue, but another issue that is so disturbing to me, like Ohio, I think illustrates the problem of how easy it is to change a constitution. So Mm -hmm. if you remember, issue one, the first issue one in Ohio last summer was to raise the threshold to 60% in order to change their constitution. And that was, that did not pass. People said, we have to protect democracy. You can't raise it to 60%. But keep in mind, Congress requires 67% of the vote of a vote to change the amendment, and then 75% of states. So two-thirds of Congress has to pass an amendment, and three-quarters of states have to ratify change. Is that a threat to democracy? Of course not. Yes. So here we have Ohio that was clearly a pro-life state, and all kinds of misinformation heavily, heavily funded, and the loss is Devastating my, my friends and colleagues in Ohio, just like Michigan with their property, just devastated by how easy it is for these pro-abortion forces to bring a culture of death and have it enshrined as some kind of constitutional right
6: But like you say, um, that is the only form of death that happens in our country that is celebrated. I mean how how bizarre I mean you know if, if we do not take a, um, a moral assessment. And this is something that has to be done on an individual level. And it starts with, uh, starts with repentance. I know often people are you know, praying for revival, but we, we, need to, we need to first repent. We need to understand uh, you know, the importance of life. You know, just as you share your own personal story you know, with your family, is that you know, your mom and dad understood and embraced solidly the idea that we're all made in the image of God. And, uh, you know, when you when you really understand that idea, you know, that that God put forth, boy, if that doesn't uh, help you realize that you're on hallowed ground. And uh, as C.S. Lewis said, you know, I've never met a mere mortal. I mean, think about that. To me, that's just so profound.
10: We've lost that sense even in the church. Of understanding, you know, the Imago Dei, that we are made in the image of God, and what does that actually mean? How does that translate? And you have many people who pursue these social justice efforts once somebody is born, but the most important effort is before they're born, because none of the other things afterward matter, because you don't have yeah. to educate a dead child. You don't have to provide food for a dead child. These are the things that the Church should be moved to to an outrage, to a compassion simultaneously, Um, And that's why I love the fact that we have these, you know, 3,000-plus pregnancy centers across the country, but they shouldn't be on the the, the front lines by themselves. Exactly. The Church is saying, we're destroying the image of God. This isn't okay. Let's come beside these mothers. Let's journey with them. Let's provide for them. Let's help prevent... These situations are happening in the first place as we talk to our young people about the value of sex within the the framework of marriage. I mean, there are so many things the, the church should be doing to protect the image of God, and it's it's failing in large part. And I, I'm not I'm non denominational evangelical Christian. I thank God for my Catholic brothers and sisters, but I'm mm-hmm. really upset about the the absence. Of many evangelical churches on this issue, there wouldn't even be a pro-life movement if it weren't for my amazing brothers and sisters in the Catholic Church.
6: Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it is disheartening, but you know the part of the problem is is that uh, you know pastors and even priests uh, hesitate to talk about this because probably a third of their congregation every Sunday and every mass or every meeting uh, has been involved with a, uh, an abortion, and they don't know how to address it, Ryan. That's the they sad don't. thing. Go ahead.
10: Right. Oh, I'm so sorry. They don't. I mean, the thing is, there are broken hearts and broken souls that are crying exactly. out for for just restoration. And they just need to hear that word. But you mm-hmm. can't bring someone to restoration if you're not offering the restorer. And yeah. that's why the fear of not addressing these things. There are There are post-abortion ministries for both women and men. It's amazing what happens when someone says, you know what? Let's talk about this, and the it's like a it's like this floodgate sort of thing that happens. There's Mm an invitation
6: to healing and wholeness. Mm -hmm.
10: We can't fear talking about what the world is cheering.
6: Mm -hmm. Well, it's like what happened in Jesus' time, right? The word got out, people were healed, and what happened? People were attracted to Jesus, and uh, that's uh, you know. And the thing is, is churches are so fearful they believe that the gospel of christ somehow is going to repel people and reject them but it it actually it draws people but you know fear stops them you know uh stops them from you know putting out and and courageously uh giving the people that are in their congregation uh what they're you know what they're in need of as you say
10: yeah it's really and this is what we're supposed to do we're supposed to be be strong, we're supposed to be courageous, and we're supposed to do everything with love. And out of 1 Corinthians, um, when we act like that, we will draw people to us. But the reality is, we have the, the cure, we have the hope for a world that is so broken. And for us to be silent is to be complicit in that continued destruction. And so, we have many opportunities. In fact, you know, you mentioned the March for Life is Friday, but it's not just the March mm. for Life; it's every day of the week. Exactly. We have the opportunity to speak life and speak hope into somebody else, and it's what my wife Bethany and I love doing through the Radiance Foundation. It's why we create mm. stuff. Like if people go to Radiance Life, you'll see a lot of the videos, graphics, articles, gra- uh, you know, fact sheets. So that we can equip people to know how to talk about these things, to be able to begin conversations. But our silence is exactly what what the devil wants.
6: I mean, without I a doubt,
10: political yeah. parties. It's not just people. It's not you know we're mm-hmm. fighting principalities. But um, it's it's what the devil wants. He wants mm-hmm. our silence.
6: Well, Ryan, we got a minute left here um, on, on the issue of, of rape. You were conceived in a with a violent act of rape. Your mother made a choice for life. Do we have any any numbers of survivors uh, like yourself who were born of rape? Is there any number, anything that we can talk about there to bring some, um, you know, bring some awareness? Because at, at this point, right now, that's one of the exceptions, right?
7: It
10: is one of the exceptions. In some states, they don't allow that exception because we have to remember that the pro-abortion side will will exploit any tragedy in order to push abortion. But we know that less than 1% of abortions are due to the violence of rape, but we need to understand that that woman and that child are victims, and we don't want Mm -hmm. to further victimize them with violence. If you go to radiance.life slash whataboutrape, I talk about some of those numbers, and also just try to educate people about the reality of the support that is out there.
6: Our response
10: to violence should be compassion every time. We can do better as a society. We certainly need to do better as Christians.
11: Ryan Bomberger, thank you, sir. ...power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most.